and welcome to I Read a Book Once. My name is Emma, and this is a podcast where I talk about books. Today, I'm going to be talking about The Blood Air by Amelie Wenzel. And so, this is a YA fantasy novel following an exiled princess in hiding and a con man as they both try to get revenge. So, before we get started, a couple things to say. You may or may not have heard of this book. This book, first of all, was on my personal best books that I read in 2020 list. After rereading it, I may have to evaluate where it was. I still really enjoyed it, don't get me wrong, but when we get to the discussion section, I'll explain my thoughts kind of more. This book also received a lot of controversy. Back before it was released, advanced reader copies, so people who were reading these arcs, made allegations that the book was anti-black and that there was plagiarism issues. When I read the book, I didn't know any of this the first time, and I found that out later, like probably uh, eight months after I read it the first time. So this is something else I'm going to be talking about in the discussion section. But before we get to that, um, and before we get to the plot summary, I need to make mention of a book that I read that I did not talk about on this podcast. That book is Calamity by Brandon Sanderson, which was the third and final book in the Reckoners trilogy. So if you remember in my Deadly Education episode, this is actually kind of interesting because that book also received criticism about portraying characters of color in it. So, wow, now I'm seeing these parallels. (laughs) But uh, I didn't talk about that in that episode because I was not aware of those criticisms either. So look at me being unaware. But if you're curious about what's going on with that, let me know and I can kind of talk about that next time. And when I read the second book and I'll talk about that then, but that's probably a year from now. Anyways, so I read Calamity. Um, If you heard this other episode, you know that I talked about reading the second book. I read the first book in March, so like about a year ago. And that was before I even thought about starting the podcast. And so it didn't make sense to me to do episodes on these books when there's no episode for you guys to hear on the first book. So basically, I read this book It was good, and my summary of it, no spoilers, is that um, I really should have reread each book before reading them because I would start reading them and being like, I don't really remember what happened in the last book. Still enjoyed those um, horrible, horrible, horrible similes and metaphors that David gave us in the book. They were hilarious. And uh, the ending was a time. It did not go how I thought it would, but it was still interesting. So that's all I'm going to say on that. I actually yesterday practiced my plot summary on my dad because we went to see my grandma and she'd asked me like what I was reading. So I was telling her that I just finished this book. We got in the car. My dad said, hey, what's this book about? So then I explained the entire plot to him because we had like an almost two hour car ride to take care of and, you know, not take care of to kill. And so I explained it to him. And um, one thing I realized is that the ending is very convoluted. I was confused when I read it. And uh, my explanation was poor, so you can look forward to that. And um, it was long. But since I practiced, maybe it'll be shorter for you guys. Who knows? Um, Hopefully, I can make this be short-ish episode. And by short-ish, I mean the plot summary. Whatever. Let's get into plot summary. As you know, there will be spoilers. I'm about to spoil this entire book. So if you do not want Blood Air by Amalia... Wow. Emilio Wen Zhao to be spoiled then do not listen. Go read the book, come back, and then listen to it. I think if you like YA, you will enjoy this book. The thing is, it's kind of derivative. And I think part of this is I've just become a more discerning reader since when I read it the first time. And that's something I'll talk about in the discussion section. So 
without further ado, let's get into the plot summary. So this is set in a fantasy world and basically the main empire it's set in is just like Russia, okay? Just imagine fantasy Russia. And in this world, you know, there's a bunch of other countries, but there are these group of people called Afnites. And basically they are people that have affinities or powers to one element of something. So one of the characters is an earth Afnite, so she can like make flowers grow during the winter. And there are other ones that are like, you know, all the different elements, but then there's also ones that are more like metaphysical. So like a fear Afnite, you can make somebody like um, be afraid. And our main character, Anna, is a blood Afnite, so she can control blood. This is very rare. She's the only person ever. She's very powerful, but also kind of dangerous. So this book picks up with Anna in hiding. She has just, what happened was 11 months ago, she walked into seeing her dad be poisoned by this palace alchemist, and she got blamed for his death and thrown in the dungeons it was going to be executed, but a guard helped her escape. Now, for 11 months, she's been searching for this alchemist that's killed her father so that she can get revenge and go back to the palace and be reunited with her older brother, who's now the emperor. So, she's finally tracked down the last lead, this con man named Ramson. And so, he has been known to be able to find anybody in the empire in less than two weeks, but he's in the most high security prison in the empire. So Anna shows up like, okay, I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to get this information. When she ends up going in, um, Ramson attacks her and she ends up using her affinity on him. And then the guard runs in and realizes she's an Afnite and poisons her with some something called, I actually don't know how to say it. It starts with a D. So we're just going to call it this D poison, okay? And basically, it's this green liquid that if an Afni either drinks it or is injected in them, they lose their affinity for a couple hours. And so the way that you could tell if somebody's an Afni is that their eyes turn red and they have, like, black veins on their arms. So Ramson and Anna, like, uh, get the guard in the cell and they escape. And they escape the prison together by um, repelling down a waterfall, but the guards are following them, you know, they're fighting, whatever, and the guards cut the line, and they fall into the river, and so they both almost drown, but make it to the end. Ramson's in better shape than Anna, and this book is told in both of their perspectives, but mostly in Anna's perspective, and then you get some Ramson, and I actually, you know, I don't love dual perspective that's not equal, but I didn't mind it in this case, because the main story is following Anna and Ramson's also an, like the second main character, but like less important than her. Anyway, so he ends up um, saving her, but only for selfish reasons in that he needs her to figure out how to get to safety for the night because the sun's going to be setting soon and it's about to be winter and they're in the northern part of the empire so it's all snowy. She directs him and he ends up getting to their abandoned house and you find out that there's this little girl May who's living there. When Anna first escaped she found May who is somewhere between 9 and 12 I can't remember and she was the earth of an Aphanite I was talking about earlier and May helped save her and they um, ran away to from May's employers together. And so one thing, as I talked about these Afnites, and this is kind of where this anti-black criticism came in, is that in this um, world, in this empire, Cerulea, there is the um, basically human trafficking going on and that Afnites are taken and forced into contracts to use their affinity for whoever their employer is. So May is from a different country, think 
Chicone or something like that. I don't remember. And her mom came to the came to Cerulea under the impression that they were going to make a good life for themselves and make money. But once they got there, they are basically arrested and sold and separated from each other into these different con- these different contracts. And so Anna helps May escape and then whatever. So she's there and basically what happened what's happening in this book is human trafficking of Aphanites. However, in the criticism it is seen as slavery. So I'll talk about that later. Let's get back to the plot summary. And we can make our own opinions on whether or not this is true or not. So then what ends up happening is Anna and Ramson make a trade. So and it's like a capital T trade. So basically these are agreements where one party will do one thing and the other will do the other something else. So Anna gets Ramson to agree to find her alchemist in three weeks. And then she will in return help him do whatever for three weeks as he tries to take back his position. We don't know at this point why he was in jail, but we know he was um, betrayed by somebody and he used to be the second in command of the underground um, organization called Order of the Lily with this man named Curlin at the top and uh, he got betrayed and thrown into the prison. So he wants to do anything to get his position back. So he, though, at this point is thinking, I'll help her find her alchemist and then I'm going to make the best trade of my life by trading Anna to Curlin. But actually, he doesn't realize that yet because he doesn't know at this point that she is a blood Aphanite. He only thinks that she's a flesh Aphanite. So they're like, okay, here we go. We got to find some information. They go to this town. At the town, they split up and May and Honor go to this uh, market and they're like talking and they see a grain Aphanite like working for a baker being abused, basically. And they accidentally get into a big fight with the guards. And during this fight, May is captured. Ramson, meanwhile, is trying to get this information from this bartender guy and ends up being double-crossed. He finds out who the alchemist is, and it turns out the alchemist is the one that um, betrayed him or something like that. Can't quite remember how that went down. But he gets captured. Anna finds out she gets cap- he got captured and chases after him and takes out the, um, the two of them together, end up taking out the two hitmen that have captured Ramson and like are trying to bring him to Curlin to be like killed, basically. At this point, Ramson finds out that Anna, Anna's affinity is blood. And there's only one person who's ever had a blood affinity, the Blood Witch of Salskov. So when Anna was seven, she, her, your, af, your affinity doesn't um, manifest until later in life. Like you don't just, you're not just born and like all of a sudden you can like control things. So her affinity manifested during a parade and she was in the carriage with her brother and she accidentally killed seven or eight innocent people in Salskov because her affinity just like burst out of her. And so after that, she's never left the castle again, which is explains why nobody knows like who she is by looking at her. And she um, was basically tortured by this man named Sadov and kept giving this D poison all the time to like, so now she has a tolerance to it. So she can use, she can still use her powers for about 20 minutes after she gets poisoned or whatever. And so, um, turns out she's the blood witch. This is when Ramson's like, I'm going to make the trade and use her to get my position back. But Anna's cap, not Anna, May got captured. So Anna's like, no, we need to save May. So they find out they need to go to this town, Novo Minsk or something like that. I don't remember what it was called. So they're like, okay, we can do all our things at once because the alchemist is going to be there. May is being brought there and um, Curlin's estate is there. So, okay, everything is going to work out. We're all just going to go there. So, um, one thing that we know about 
Anna is that she is very naive. She believes that everything in the um, empire is good. She believes Aphanites are willingly entering into contracts and willingly working for people. She has this friend from the palace named Yuri who was a fire Aphanite and was always bringing her hot chocolate after her torture sessions, you know, and all of that jazz. So she doesn't understand that, you know, human trafficking is going on. So this is something she's learning and she's starting to like have an awakening at this point. Ramson is a transplant to Cerulea. He's actually from Bregon or Bregon or whatever. And his father is the admiral there, which is like the third or fourth most powerful position. So he ran away from Bregan when he was 12 because basically what happened in the short version is so he was training to be in the Navy. He was his dad's illegitimate child. And so he his dad brought him there, separated him from his mom, but never really acknowledged him. His mom at 12 is about to die from some disease, some fever or something like that. So he asked his dad for the medicine. His dad says, no, why would I care about your mom? And then his best friend at the time is like, we could break into this building and steal it. So Ramson first says no and asks his dad. Then he's like, no, we're going to do it. They break in, but they get caught. His friend Jonah um, confesses to it and he gets killed immediately. And Ramson's like, how could you kill him? This was my idea, blah, blah, blah. And the dad is like, love makes you weak and you're my son. You need to do whatever stuff after I ignored you for five years of your life. So then Ramson runs away and joins Curlin because Curlin is his dad's enemy. Okay, so that's his backstory all there. And so he is going from being selfish to self-sacrificing is kind of what we're seeing. So now they show up at this new city and they know that May is at this place called the Playpen, which is basically a theater where powerful Aphanites are forced to perform for rich Cerulean's. okay? And so their plan is that they're going to go there and they're going to buy May's contract so they can get her out. And then she, obviously the contract is like, whatever, they're not going to do anything with it, but they can get her out of there. When they show up, there are some issues and that, you know, the revolutionaries show up. So, mm, that's not good. So, basically, the revolutionaries are called the Red Cloaks, playing off White Cloaks. So, White Cloak is the name of the guards. They're called Red Cloaks because of the blood stains of all the Aphanites the guards have killed, basically. So, the revolutionaries show up and the, all of this jazz. So, Anna and Ramsam end up joining them in this fight. They're just trying to take May away. And they're like, May, come on, let's leave. And she's like, no, we need to save everybody. Well, she ends up dying. The guards end up killing her in the midst of the fight, and Anna is heartbroken. They end up escaping with the red cloaks, and they stay at this um, lady's house, and she's an unseer, which is a type of Aphnite that can see future, the future, kind of. They see the future past people can be on. Um, while they're there, the guards end up finding them and they fight. And it turns out that the Red Cloaks are being led by Yuri, her friend from the palace. So she's kind of learning more about like what the real world is like and blah, blah, blah. She ends up leaving Ramson behind and she's going to go to this big party at Curlin's estate by herself to find the alchemist. So she ends up going, but Ramson catches up with her and they go in together and they have this conversation about how he can be good and like all this different stuff. So Anna finds the alchemist and he ends up telling her that he was being mind controlled by her aunt to kill her dad and that her aunt had this whole plan that she was going to kill everybody in the royal family and then she was next in line. So she was going to take the throne and she's an Aphnite and she wants to end Aphnite like indenturement and like all that. But she takes it a step further in killing every she wants to kill everybody who's not an Aphnite basically. So some intense revenge going on. Um, so Anna's like, we need to go. And she's trying to take the alchemist to escape out their route. 
Meanwhile, Ramson is meeting with Curlin, and his plan is he's going to pretend like he's going to offer Anna in a trade to Curlin, but he's going to actually kill him and then take his place as the number one person in this organization. Oh, I also forgot to mention that Ramson was never part of the Affinite um, human trafficking trade or anything like that. He only did the other shady stuff, so he's like semi-redeemable, you know, whatever. But Curlin knows he's going to be double-crossed, so he captures Ramson and throws him in the dungeon is torturing him. Anna tries to escape with the um, alchemist, but she ends up getting captured as well and um, by Sadov, the, her torturer. But this girl named Winwraith or Lynette, who was one of the Aphnites they helped save during the playpen, like, revolutionary thing, Ramson um, made a trade with her that he would uh, buy her contract or something like that, and she would protect Anna. So she, like, kills the guards outside and Sadov escapes and the two of them are like oh and the other thing she finds out from the alchemist is that her brother is now being poisoned the same way as his father as her father was and he's going to abdicate the throne to their aunt in five days so they need to make it there in five days so they're running there and this is the part that gets convoluted I'm going to do my best to do it quickly I feel like I'm talking really fast because time is ticking on this and this was a 450 page book so it's kind of hard to summarize this fast so then They show up there. Ramson gets saved by the alchemist who is apparently just like pretending to be on the other side now and like helps him break out and they go to follow because they're trying to save Anna and whatever. So they show up at the castle the day of the abdication and when they get there, um, you know, there's a fight and the, oh my God, I forgot to explain this, but there's an there's an affinity of people called Jaegers. And their affinity is that they can sense other Aphanites and they could dull their powers and stop them when you're in close range. So this guy senses her. And so they, Sadov is there on the bridge. So they're going to arrest Anna and kill her or whatever. But she jumps off the bridge into the water, into the river. And she almost drowns for the third time in this book. The other two times are like when she, after she killed all those people the first time by accident. And the other time is when she was escaping for her life after her father died, whatever. Ramson sees this and dives in after her and like saves her and they come out. I think he has to give her CPR or whatever. And then they go in the back tunnels. And what they're going to do is they know that there's an antidote. So they're going to get the antidote and they're going to like be like, this aunt, Mamika Morgana. Mamika means like aunt or like little mother or something like that. Morgana is the name of the aunt. So I feel like we all should have known she was evil, but I didn't the first time I read it. Anyway, so they're going to fight. So anyway, so then they get into confrontation with some guards and Curlin's there and whatever. And Ramson sends Anna ahead to go into the um, ball, the grand ballroom or courtroom or whatever to stop the abdication. She goes in there and they're like, arrest her, arrest her, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, no, it's my aunt who's bad. And then it turns out the brother's being mind controlled. And if she uses her affinity on somebody who's being mind controlled, it breaks the control. So she uses this on her brother. The brother abdicates the throne to her. Then Sadov shows up and kills the brother. And then Anna almost kills Sadov. But then she says, no, I'm not going to. I don't want to be a monster. That's this whole thing. And she sees herself as a monster the entire time. It's like a bad person. It's like whatever, a demon, whatever. So then the aunt is like, look, she just killed her brother, which does not make sense to me because didn't everybody see Sadov kill him? But whatever. And then they're like, arrest her, kill her. And then the alchemist shows up and he um, poisons her and is like, I gave her a death poison, but it's actually just a paralysis. And then she's taken away. Meanwhile, Ramson fights, whatever. Lynette shows up and saves him and is like, you need to go save Anna. Here's the antidote thing. 
and he runs in there he ends up getting arrested whatever and this is like the moment that you realize he's like truly changed because he like is so upset that he thinks Anna's actually dead and like he is trying to self-sacrifice and whatnot Lynette then is like fighting this Jaeger guy from earlier and then she like escapes and whatever and so now at the end of the book they're like gotta try and find her then Anna wakes up in the dungeon and the guard that helped her escape the first time tells her that her aunt has taken complete control disassembled the council and uh basically is you know a coup has occurred so now Anna and Ramson escape and uh they're gonna have to figure out how the heck Anna can get her kingdom back so that's the book I think I did better explaining it to you all than to my dad, so that is a plus. But now let's get into the discussion section. So, you know what I feel like we need to talk about first is the response to the lashback to this book, because I've teased about it a couple times. So, as I explained, there was two issues. People said that there was um, plagiarism issues, and then people said that there was the issues with the anti-blackness. Let's start with the plagiarism issues. Basically, there was two things when, and they both kind of are surrounding when May dies. When May dies, she says, Anna says like, don't, don't go where I can't follow you. And apparently there's a line very similar to that in one of the Lord of the Rings books, but it's not the exact same thing. It's kind of a common um, thing people say, and it's also rooted in the Bible. So people were just kind of like, yeah, whatever. The other thing is that when May dies, Anna sings a song that's like, her mother used to sing to her and then buries her with flowers, which is basically the whole thing in the Hunger Games when Rue dies. Katniss sings the song and then buries her with flowers. So it's like the same thing. So people are like, plagiarism. Um, It didn't happen exactly the same way. And yeah, it's like the same idea. But to me, it's more of a trope. I don't see it exactly as plagiarism. And another thing I'm going to talk about this book in a little bit is that it seemed a bit derivative to me like as I was reading it it reminded me of a lot of different fantasy books that I have read in the past and so to me this is just like you're seeing kind of the same tropes or the same sort of storylines pop up in a way that to me didn't read as plagiarism just like it remind it's like kind of um derivative like I said of these other ones like the same sort of ideas are popping up and out of it so to me the plagiarism concern I can kind of write off whatever and I mean, the book did eventually get published. So what ended up happening was she, um, Zhao ended up deciding to wait on publishing her book. So she held off indefinitely and then went through it again, made some changes, talked to different people, and then ended up publishing it like a couple, I don't know, months after it was originally supposed to be published to kind of address these concerns. And so, um, Yeah. So then now let's talk about this anti-black issue. So basically what ended up happening is people saw this in human trafficking and indentured servitude and all that. They saw that as basically slavery, like American slavery. They were like, this is anti-black. And they also thought that May was a black character, which was interesting because I didn't see her like that because they kept talking about her blue eyes and like she had like tan or bronze skin and then she had curly brown hair. So, you know, you have the curly hair. But to me, I didn't like when I read it, I didn't see her as black. And that could be part of that when she rewrote the story, like when she was making edits, maybe she changed the characteristics May had. I don't actually know. But that was like something I read a couple articles in preparation for this podcast episode for recording just so that I could get kind of the full story and everything. So if you want to like 
know where I was like getting stuff from. Slate has a really good article about this. And then I also looked at her NPR interview. So one of them, so the NPR interview actually talks with Zhao and like kind of like everything that's going on there. While as the um, Slate one is explaining things from when the book originally decided wasn't getting published and whatever. So, um, yeah. So basically what Zhao ended up saying is that she is from, she was born in Paris, but she grew up in Beijing. And so she took this human trafficking from that perspective of growing up in Beijing and in China and talking about the human trafficking that's happening in a lot of different Asian countries. And her fiance is apparently, at the time, I don't know if he's her husband or if they've broken up or whatever now, but her fiance at the time was apparently a descendant of Chinese indentured servant human trafficked people. I don't think I said that right, but I think you understand what I'm saying. And so, like, she was drawing from that perspective and she said, I would never, and she, like, gave out a statement that she would never, she could not and would not try to write the, about slavery and about the, um, like, to create something based off of slavery, I guess, basically. And so, she was like, I was writing from my own perspective, but I deeply apologize. Like, I'm not trying to have anybody defend me or anything like that because I didn't, like, this isn't what I meant to do, whatever. So, now we're like, okay, so what is going on? So, when she rewrote the book, after all of this happened, she um, really went in further of, like, developing this idea of the human trafficking and trying to distinguish it from slavery. The thing is that human trafficking and what's going on right now is kind of like a modern form of slavery. So, when you read it, it's a little hard to distinguish. And the other issue is, so she lives in New York now, but she didn't grow up in the American context. Whereas, like, this book, you know, is, like, been published in America. So, the readers have grown up with this context of slavery, of this is something we learn about, this is bad. And so, when you read it, you can, especially as an American, you see more of this slavery context versus human trafficking. What's interesting is the very first time I read this book, which was January 2020, I had no idea that any of this had happened. I had just seen it, like, on Amazon or something like as similar to other fantasy books I like. So I asked for it for Christmas and read it. I didn't know anything about the controversy or anything like that. So when I read it, I didn't like the very first time I read it, I was like, oh, it's like human trafficking. Like it's just this trade of like whatever. I didn't think, oh, this is like slavery. So I don't know. I'm not trying to speak for anybody in the community, in the black community that like wh- how they perceive this book. I'm not trying to do anything like that. I'm just saying that when I read it the first time, I didn't see it that way. And that, so I'm not trying to say whether or not, I don't know. So basically I just wanted to explain the issue of what went on in this book. I did talk about my opinion on the plagiarism of it just being kind of similar. It's not actually plagiarism. And this, when I read it the first time, it was like, oh, I didn't, I was thinking about human trafficking. When I read it the second time, I was reading it with the context of, oh, I've heard that people think this is like slavery. And so when I read it the second time, I was like, wow, this does kind of look like slavery. So I don't know if this is because it was just in my mind that I saw it. I don't know. So I'd really like to get your guys' opinions. If you've read this book, did you see it this way or did you see it some other way? And yeah, I would just really like to know what you think about this. And obviously the book was published, so it went past something. And I do have the second book and I am planning on reading that next. So the next episode will be on the second book, which is called um, Red Tigress. I was like, why can't I remember it? 
but that book's like 400 pages so there might be a week break in between but I don't know yet and so yeah that took a long time but I felt like it was really necessary for me to dive into that because I can't make an episode on this book and not talk about the controversy surrounding it so yeah I don't know maybe I shouldn't have bought this next book maybe not but to me when I read it that first time and knowing like her intentions intentions don't mean that hurt doesn't happen I don't know this there was a really really good two-part um video YouTube series by I think her handle now is just with Cindy who's a booktuber but she's expanding out to do other things where she talked about should white authors write diverse characters basically and it was like examining a white author that did not and then a white author that did and like there was like lashback to that and whatever I would definitely recommend those and I think it explains like kind of what's this is obviously so so um Zhao is a Asian authors Chinese I think specifically and so obviously these pitfalls can befall not just white authors but I would definitely recommend those two videos I thought they were very interesting and they kind of explain it's like a hard topic to talk about and it's a hard topic to nail down like the final say so of what it should be so I think I'm gonna move on from there because I have some other things I want to talk about with this book but yeah so at find my final thought on this is that I do think that she intended to write about human trafficking. However, since human trafficking is like is modern day slavery, I can see how people read it and think this is like slavery in this book. So that's kind of where I'm going to fall on that. So now let's talk about, like I said, this is my second time reading it. And I think a couple things have happened. I've become a far more discerning reader since when I read this the first time. And I think a large part of that is that I am now like a avid book of the month reader. Before joining book of the month, I really only read YA, whether that be a YA contemporary or YA fantasy or YA mystery or something like that. I was really only reading YA. And while I love YA and I will continue to read the YA books and all that stuff, they are um, less... I don't want to say they're less than other books. That's not what I'm trying to say. But like the messaging that you're getting across is for a younger audience. So I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. But when you, I've been reading these book of the month books and some of them deal with very difficult topics and they're adult fiction. And I don't mean like sexual adult fiction, but just like whatever. I don't even know. They're like re- regular fiction or um, literary fiction. That's what I'm looking for. They're like literary fiction books. Like I'm thinking about how I read The Vanishing Half or how I read Little Fires Everywhere or things like that that have make you a more discerning reader and you're looking for different things in your book. And then also some of the other books that I've read from Book of the Month have just been such high quality that I expect more from my books, if that makes sense. And I think that starting this podcast has made me think about books more critically as well. Like I'm not just reading them for fun anymore because I know I'm going to be talking to you guys about them. So I'm reading them and thinking, what can I talk about? Are there criticisms I have to this book? Whatever. And so part of that is that as I read this book again, like I said, I found a lot of comparisons. I saw so many comparisons to one of my all-time favorite fantasy series, the Seven Realm series. And in the Seven Realm series, I promise no spoilers because that series is so good. Everybody needs to go read it. It's so underrated. I love it so much. But basically... The two main characters in that as well are the princess and um, 
I don't think he's called a con man in Seven Realms, but, um, you know, he used to be, like, a thief. He used to be, like, a gang leader or whatever. Whatever. So, you have that comparison, and then you also have, like, I don't want to spoil anything, so I'm only talking about things from the first book, but then you also have, like, Anna's mom is from the southern part of the empire, so she looks a bit more ethnic or whatever than most Cerulean's. And um, in the Seven Realms series, the princess, the main girl in that series has this, her father is from the, um, wow, why am I blinking on what they're called? Basically, like, is coded as Native American, so, like, the same thing is going on there. There's similar sort of um, issues that are going on. Again, I don't want to spoil it, but if you've read the book, like, a lot of the things map on. And, like, you have the naive princess who doesn't know anything about her country, really, and, like, the bad parts about it, all of a sudden learning about them. And then you have the con man going from, like, I gotta take care of myself to being, like, self-sacrificing and, like, trying to do the greater good and whatever. So, um, yeah, that is a thing that happens as well. So, like, I see it as a little bit derivative of that. And we saw the Hunger Games things. And when I was reading it, I also thought that May's death was similar to kind of what's going on in the Hunger Games. And so that's how I say what I mean when I say this book is just a little bit derivative. When I read it the first time, I was just like, when I read it the first time, I knew it was similar to the Seven Realms series and that I liked it because it was similar. Because I was like, these are the kind of characters that I like. I enjoy this sort of evolution of them, whatever. I do think that Anna as going from naive to aware, but still seeing the good in the world and whatever, and like still thinking that people can be good. I like that kind of character arc because like, I feel like for me, that's a little bit similar to what I like, kind of how I, I was a little bit because, you know, you grow up and like, especially for me growing up as like a white girl, it's like, okay, like the world is good and like things are good. And then you grow up and you realize, no, there's bad things that are happening and I can't just stand by and let them happen. And you have to figure out how to be a part of the change, basically. So that I enjoy. Another thing that I think is odd is that my memory of this book from reading the first time was kind of far off from as I was reading it the second time. It was so weird because I read it the first time, you know, okay, whatever. And now I'm getting ready to read the second time. I remember everything in the beginning being longer. I remember like the time before May getting captured being longer than 100 or 150 pages. Like I thought that happened like 200 pages and like halfway into the book, but it was like barely a quarter of the way in or whatever it happens. And then like I remember the like trying to get May back as being longer and I remember like everything like at the party being longer and then I barely I remember nothing about the ending when they go to the castle and confront her aunt which is so funny to me because that was like, I don't know, like 70 pages or something like that. And I didn't remember anything really that was happening there. And I think part of it is because that part was confusing. Like, I don't know if you guys were confused, but even reading it, I was confused. I was like, I don't really entirely understand what is going on. So the final thing I want to talk about is just predictions for the future two books. I will be talking about the second book after this. The second book came out this month in March, and so the last book won't come out for another year or something like that. So this is kind of what I see happening. In the second book, they're going to Bregan, which is Ramson's home country, and they're going to try and convince them to help Anna, like, take back her country and whatever. There's obviously going to be confrontations with 
Ramson's father, but I also think his sister is going to make an appearance. So you find out in the first book that Ramson's father ends up marrying somebody and having a daughter. And I just feel like she's going to like make an appearance. I don't know if she's going to be on their side or against them or what, but I feel like, I feel like she's going to be on their side. Like, I feel like she's going to make an appearance. Obviously, you guys, romance between Ramson and Anna is going to happen. Like, it's going to happen, guys. We already know. Like, they haven't kissed or anything yet, but at the end of the book, you start seeing those vibes that they're kind of maybe into each other. So, I feel like a kiss will happen at the end of the second book, and then by the end of the third book, they'll be, like, officially together. Obviously, I feel like Anna is going to, like, beat her aunt because this is not real life. This is fantasy. So, like, I'm not trying to read a book where we follow the main character for three books and at the end they die. You know, I'm not trying to do that. And I'm not trying for her to lose at the end of all this. Like, there's probably going to be losses. Like, we've already seen them, but whatever. And so, yeah. And, but the thing is, I don't know if it's going to be she wins and now she's empress because the Red Cloaks want to abolish the monarchy entirely. So, it'd be interesting to see if she gets reinstated as empress, if she's now like a prime minister figure, or if she just gets the country like free and then lives her life doing something else. I don't know. So I guess we'll find out. But we're definitely after time, depending on how much stuff I cut out, because the beginning, there's definitely some dead air and some confusion that needs to be gone. So let's end this by saying, if you like this, please, um, rate my podcast, subscribe to it, whatever, from wherever you're listening. That helps other people find it, which, I don't know, that'd be nice if other people found this podcast. So please do that. You can also, um, if you have opinions on this episode, specifically if you have opinions on, like, the controversy surrounding this book, I'd be super intrigued to know what all of you think. You can DM me on Instagram at I read a book once blog, and just follow me on Instagram. I try and post fun pictures. I do my best. I'm definitely growing and learning and I follow back. So, go ahead and follow me. Um, you could also email me your opinions at iwriteabookonceblog at gmail.com, or if you've listened to this before, you know my spiel, you could go follow my website. I never update, iwriteabookonceblog.com. So, the like I mentioned, the next book is going to be Red Tigress by Amelia Wenzhou, and, um, so we'll, we're going to keep going with Anna Ramson and seeing what's up. And I'm going to see if there's any controversy about that book. And yeah, so I'll catch you guys next time.